Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. Uh, Give it up for Dad. If it wasn't for my dad, I wouldn't be here. Literally. That's a dad joke, right? Son, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. Right, Dad. Graduated high school. No, that's true. All right. Um, We are in a series called Rise Up, uh, where we have been looking at... um, Stories of overcoming faith uh, from real people who attend Vertical Church, who call Vertical Church home. And uh, we've heard stories of how God has uh, helped people begin or, or even begin again at times. We, we heard an amazing, incredible story last week about just how God um, can, can, can you know, strengthen you to persevere through the most difficult circumstances of your life. Through things that, that, that would, uh, that, let's just be honest, would stop people who didn't have God as their kind of foundation, as their under uh, undergirdment, if you will, um, and, and, and just kind of pushes us through. And so um, let, me, let me kind of uh, let me catch you up on, on what the series is really about. We all have a story, right? Whether you're, you're, you're young or old, you have a story. Uh, whether you're cool or not very cool, you know, you have a story. Whether whether you go to church or you don't go to church. Like, maybe you're here today just because uh, uh, a friend or a family member invited you to come see their kid get dedicated, but you're not really into the church thing, right? You go you, you go Christmas and Easter, and then if there's a special thing that somebody invites you to, maybe you'll go check it out. But regardless of whether you go to church or not, whether, whether you serve Jesus or not, whether you call him your Savior or not, we all have a story. Uh, we all have a story because we're all here alive. And, and there are some parts of our story that are real exciting. There are parts of our story that we're proud of. Um, there, there, there are parts of and accomplishments and, and, and things that we want to tell other people. But then, if we're all honest, right, uh, you, just because you came into church, you don't have to be not honest. Like. <laughs> A lot of dishonesty happening in the church when we walk through the doors. We all pretend that we don't have parts of our stories that we would rather leave out. Let's just, let's just be real this morning. Everybody in this room has a part of their story. Or if you think about it this way, we all have a few pages we'd like to leave out. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, or maybe even you have a few pages you'd like to rip out. You know? But the truth is we can't change that. We cannot change what's already been written. In our story, no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you are, no matter how long you serve Jesus, you cannot change what's already been written in your story. But the good news is, and really it's the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news is our future is yet to be written. And when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we really do begin a whole new story, a whole new uh, chapter, a whole new beginning, a fresh start. And he begins writing. We've looked at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that, uh, that, that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one writing uh, our story. He's writing his story through us. And so the good news is that our future isn't written yet. So the main idea of this whole series, right, the, the thing that's tied everything together is this thought. And I hope for the, the course of the four weeks that this just drills into your, your mind and your spirit. And you just, you just uh, remember this. It goes like this. You can look at it on the screen with me. The decisions you make today determine the stories you tell tomorrow. So the things you're deciding right now, our decisions really do matter. Uh, the decisions you make today are determining the kind of story you're going to tell 
five years from now, five months from now, five days from now. And as a pastor, I get a chance to talk to a lot of people. And uh, one of the things I like to ask people is like, well, you know, what's your story? Like, what, well, what, what have you been through? Well, what's going on in your life? Tell me about yourself. However, that would come out in kind of a normal conversation. And so many times, right? So many times I get to talk to people and they are so full of regret. So many times I hear this, this thing over and over again. Man, I'd give anything to go over and do that again. To do that part of my life over. So, so many of us are full of, of deep regret because of past decisions. Because we're realizing that our past decisions are impacting the story that we're living right now. Different examples of that, right? Like maybe for you, it's a maybe for you, it's a recurring uh, sin or a recurring difficulty, right? You know, you go, you go, and you do it, and you're like, man, I'm, oh, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. And then two or three weeks later, or two or three months later, or maybe six, seven, eight months later, a year later, you find you've done. That again, whatever that is for you, and then what happens is is the weight of that the the, the weight of that 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 past kind of settles on your shoulders, and 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 you just can't shake that sin, and you're like, man, I'm never going to find freedom from this thing. I just keep coming back to it. Or or maybe for you, maybe you said something to someone that you love. Maybe you meant it. Maybe you didn't mean it. But the fact is, you can't unsay it, and because you said it. Something happened in the relationship and now the relationship is broken and hurt and and you feel like it's beyond repair because you can't rewind the clock and take back words that have already come out of your mouth. You wish you could, but you can't. Or maybe maybe you just live with this low-level fear. So many people live with this fear that that, that something that, that they're going to do or something they've already done is somehow going to catch up to them. Like they're, they're, they're convinced that they are going to have to repay. Like I'm going to have to pay for my bad choices. I'm going to have to pay for those bad decisions, those things I did in college, those things I did when I was a, a young Navy officer, right? Those things that I did when, when I was on my first ship, man. I don't even know what I was doing. I wasn't thinking straight, but that's going to come back and get me one day. Many of us live with this kind of low-level fear. Uh, you, you hate it. You hate that part of your story, but you don't know what to do about it. Guilt. A lot of us live with guilt, man, just, just overridden. When you have that kind of regret, the next thing is, is you have that kind of guilt, and people live with this sense of guilt. And maybe everybody in their circle has forgiven them. Maybe everybody in their, in their family, or, or, or maybe the people they've wronged, maybe they've forgiven them, but they just can't get over this aching on the inside. Maybe if I just tried a little harder, maybe if I prayed a little more, maybe if I read more Bible, maybe if I, maybe if I go to church. A lot of people come to church to try to soothe a sense of guilt that they have on the inside. Because a lot of people, man, check this out, a lot of people feel like David. In, in, in Psalm 38 verse 4, he said this, he said, my guilt has overwhelmed me. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And maybe that's how you feel this morning. As you're sitting there in your seat, maybe, maybe if you described your life, you would say, my guilt is overwhelming. It's, it's too much for me to bear. Guilt paralyzes us, right? 
Like guilt, guilt freezes you in your tracks and you're thinking, I'll never conquer this. I'll never get over this failure. I'll never escape this, this part of my story. I'll never be able to begin something new. Guilt, guilt causes self-hatred. Did you know that? Guilt, guilt you, you, if you stew in the guilt of your past too long, you'll, 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 you'll loathe yourself. You'll hate yourself because you'll just stew in that guilt. Because guilt isn't from God. Guilt, is not, guilt has never been from God. God does not deal in guilt. God deals in conviction, and the two are drastically different. Guilt freezes you. Guilt paralyzes you. Guilt convinces you that you are a horrible, terrible, awful, no good person, and you'll always be horrible, terrible, awful, no good. But conviction, conviction produces change in our lives because conviction draws us to God and God's kindness leads us to repentance and he forgives us and he cleanses us and he gives us a brand new start. But many of us are not living in conviction. We're living in guilt and condemnation and self-defeat and self-hatred because of things we've gone through. Well, here's what I hope that you understand today. This is kind of one of the takeaways that I hope you leave. If you're, if you're a note taker, you may want to write this on the back of your program. Uh, if you have a pen in and, and, and the back of your program, just write this down. Look at that on the screen with me. Your story is your history, but it doesn't have to be your destiny. Your story, that's what we've been talking about through the Rise Up series. Your story is your history. It is what is behind you. But it does not have to be your destiny. In other words, every saint that you have ever met has a past. And every sinner, you and me included, we have a future. Every, every person that God has ever used in a powerful way has a past that the power of God has helped them overcome. And every sinner has a future that God wants to write. You can't change your past. You can't do anything about it. But in Jesus, in Christ, He can change your future direction. Well, the, the question that we've kind of uh, been asking then is, then how, if this is true, how do I live a story worth telling? How do, I, how do I partner with Jesus to write a story worth telling? Week one, we, uh, we, we said, you know, there are times in our lives we have to begin or, or even begin again. We heard Tom Varela's story, which was exactly that. He began and then he found himself in a place where he had to begin again. And he had to start making decisions that led to a great story. So, so maybe you need to start or start over. Last week, like I said, we, we heard from Michelle Grace, and that was awesome, right? Like, yeah, it's awesome. So many people watch that online. Uh, it's cool. If you haven't had a chance to see it, check it out. Facebook, Vertical Church, it's cool. But don't give up. Don't give up because, because if we keep trusting God, we know that he's not finished writing the story. And, and we didn't say it this way, but we could say it, right? If it's not good, he's not done because God makes all things good. So, so if it's not good, he's not done. He's still cooking. He's still baking something in your life. So just, just keep on holding on. Keep waiting. This week, we're going to look at it a little differently. Maybe this is the decision that you need to make. Sometimes the best decision is to let go of one story to embrace a new one. Maybe you need to let go of a story in your life, a false identity. Maybe, maybe identity that has been formed by bad, bad decisions in your past. 
And you need to let go of that identity to embrace the identity that God wants you to have. A son or daughter of God. Loved, accepted, welcomed by God Himself into His family. In order to to, to move forward, sometimes we have to let go of the past to welcome a new future. I love the way Paul says this when he's writing to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3. Look at this, this passage. If you don't have a Bible, just check this out. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. I'm not perfect, in other words. I don't have it all together. But I press on, and that's what we've been talking about. I, I, I persevere. I continue. I don't stop. I don't give up. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, and it's real funny because he says one thing, but he actually names two. But anyway, we'll forgive him for that. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind Here's what I'm doing. This is what Paul says. Here's what I'm doing. I'm letting go of the past. I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm straining towards what is ahead. I'm letting go of the past and I'm embracing the future that God is writing for me. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm forgetting what is behind. You know what that, 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 that phrase, forgetting what is behind, it means to treat with thoughtless inattention. So so when your past is haunting you and reminding you, here's who you used to be, here's what you used to do, you treat it with thoughtless inattention. I don't give it any mind. I don't pay it any attention whatsoever. In fact, I give it thoughtless inattention. It, It means to willfully neglect the enemy's coming trying to attach a false identity to you, trying to, trying to get you to believe a lie about who you are and what God can do through you. You willfully neglect it. I make a decision to neglect what you're telling me about me. I choose not to believe it because it's a lie. Sometimes we have to let go. It means to banish from one's thoughts. You, you literally banish from your thoughts your past story is your destiny, and it is what you can, you, you never, I banish that from my thinking. Listen to me, y'all. There is absolutely nothing in your past that is too great for the grace of God. Amen. Nothing. Nothing. Up in the balcony, nothing. Amen. There's nothing in your past that is too great for the grace of God to cover what I want to do right now is, uh, is to invite Aaron and Lindsay Hickman to join me uh, up here at the, uh, at the front. Um, Aaron and Lindsay, um, for Curtis. Yeah, there he comes. Curtis is going to grab our stools, and so uh, he's going to take care of that. Aaron and Lindsay, let me tell you a funny story while we're getting set up here. Um, this is the fifth baby dedication in the history of Vertical Church, Okay. Five baby dedications, and in every baby dedication, there has been a Hickman child or a Butcher child to be dedicated. And I'm just saying, next year, somebody needs to. So the, the funny make thing, it happen. We, the funny thing we uh, realized when we were sitting down together is that if you'd have asked us when we were baby, uh, when we were dedicating Beatrice in 2014, if we'd be dedicating AJ in 2015, we would have said no. So the ball could still be in your court. No, not at all. <laughs> well, we thought we were done at number three as well, but uh, it turns out we weren't. Uh, I'll grab that. Do you want to scoot over a little bit this way? Um, so Aaron and Lindsay. Aaron is a uh, uh, former 
Um, Navy guy, now uh, reserve, yes. reservist. Um, Lindsay stays at home with her three kids, although uh, that is a more full-time job than, uh, than most. Um, but let's, uh, let's do this. Many of you probably know. Actually, a lot of you probably know them because Aaron and Lindsay are like the most friendly people I have ever met. Okay, Some of you are here at church because they met you in a parking lot. And we're like, hey, we'll help you get this on copy of your car. All right, cool. We don't know each other, but now we're best friends. It's like my daughter Ava. Seriously, uh, my, 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 my daughter Ava, uh, she made best friends in the Chick-fil-A playground yesterday. And she was brokenhearted when we had to leave. She didn't know her name, but we left her best friend. Anyway, <laughs> so excited to have you guys uh, share uh, bits and pieces of your story this morning. So uh, just, just take off. Where does the Hickman story begin? Uh, for the two of you. So um, I think our story really begins for the two of us uh, a little bit before we met. Uh, not, I mean, obviously, uh, we all, you know, were born, you know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, just for me growing up, I grew up in, a, in, a, in the church. I grew up uh, going to church uh, Sundays and Wednesdays and church summer camp and uh, uh, came to know Jesus at an early age. Um and uh, that kind of shaped my upbringing uh, to the point where I, I found myself in college uh, at the Naval Academy uh, studying to become a naval officer and uh, believing that God had uh, purposed for me to find a wife before I headed off into the big scary unknown of uh, life going to sea on, on submarines, what it turned out to be. Um, and so uh, I thought that was God's plan for my life, and uh, it wasn't working out. Um, and so I said, God, I got one last thing I can do for you to give you the opportunity to make this happen for me. I'll go to graduate school for two years, and uh, we'll see if, um, see if you can uh, figure this out, because that's the deal we made, right, God? Um, so I'm a year into graduate school, which is a two-year program, and uh, not dating anybody, not really uh, seeing this happening, uh, and, and uh, a friend of mine... because they were all breaking up with you. <laughs> that, that, that's probably true um, uh, that, that is true um, No, so, so a friend of mine uh, That I, gone, I grew up in the church with uh, His name is Bram He's uh, a brother uh, But uh, Bram got back from the army He had enlisted in the army right out of high school And spent four years kicking down doors in Iraq And uh, God got a hold of his heart there And he realized that a lot of the things That, he, that were a part of his upbringing weren't actually a part of his faith. Um, and so he, he, uh, he, he really just grabbed a hold of him and turned Bram in the direction of saying, uh, indicating to Bram that he wanted to be a pastor. So Bram gets back from, uh, from his time in the Army, and he comes back to Delaware, and I'm at the University of Delaware doing grad school, and he says, Aaron, we've got to start a church service uh, on Saturday nights for college students that we're going to meet. I said, why do we have to do that? And he said, because God told me we have to do it. And I said... Well, I think I can get us the key to our church. Our church was in downtown Newark, Delaware, so right there in the in the, um, in the uh, campus, kind of embedded in the campus of the University of Delaware. And Bram just broke it down when we sat down with the people at our church and said, look, Newark, Delaware is a population of this, except during when, when school's in session. Then the population grows by like 30,000 people. What are we doing as a church to reach those 30,000 people? And the church kind of said, well, that's a good point. Bram said, well, if you let us have a church service... I'll preach, Aaron will figure out a way to lead us in worship, and uh, we'll, we'll do something about it. Um, and so... I'm going to refrain about commenting on the worship. It's very good, though. It, it was... It was... It was... It got the job done. It got the job done. 
Um, and so, uh, and so, this hodgepodge group of people, Bram, myself, and a couple people we had met, uh, started meeting together. And uh, Bram met a guy named Rick uh, working out in the gym. And Rick was a believer, but uh, wasn't really uh, fellowshipping with anybody. Uh, and Bram and Rick started uh, getting together, and Rick was a great guitar player. Uh, so we got Rick on board on the worship team, and Rick knew Lindsay because they had lived on the same floor together, and Rick knew that Lindsay probably could benefit from coming to church, and so we invited her. He's uh, so kind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I could tell you guys that Lindsay walked into church on a Saturday night, uh, you know, the heavens opened up, and the angels came down, and I knew that God had purposed, you know, my wife to come into church on a Saturday night, but that really wasn't the case. Um, it probably was about four or five months before um, I really kind of took an interest in her, and then another few years before I was even ready to uh, propose. Uh, so Driving his feet. <laughs> Yeah, you could say I was dragging my feet a little bit. Um, and uh, there's probably some room for marriage counseling there still. Um, but the, the point of it all is that it, it kind of started right there in church where, um, where uh, I had to say you know, to myself that, Aaron, everything you're doing is not working. Um, you need to stop, commit yourself to what God has called you to do, which is uh, be salt and light in the world. And... Uh, be okay if your plans don't come to, you know, work out the way you want them to. Sure, sure. So, um, you, you be evidently you got married eventually uh, after, uh, yeah, after uh, somebody kicked you in the pants. But it's cool. Um, so, once you got married, uh, what was the plan um, for for family? And like, what did you see in your future as a young married couple? Well, we definitely saw kids. Uh, I'm second oldest of seven kids, um, and so I never thought about having a small family. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we, uh, we, wanted, we wanted children, and, you know, we didn't, uh, we were about four and a half years married before we got pregnant, and um, never really did anything to prevent that from happening. But um, when we decided, you know, hey, let's really, like, give it a go, um, it took like a, it, what seems like such a long time if you're like a woman and waiting to have a family, about 11 months or so. And so I remember going, um, you know, to my doctor appointment to kind of start the whole fertility work workup. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, we we had never had a pregnancy scare. Right. Um, right. In the four and a half years, you know, there was just. Anyway. Yeah. So while while it was maybe 11 months of in- intention. Right. Uh, you know, it wasn't, yeah. Right. We're happily working in that department, you know, well before we decide to have kids. Anyway. <laughs> so I go to the doctor to get like, oh gosh, you know, what? what's wrong? You know, I'm waiting for this to happen. It's not happening. You know, I go and then um, have this blood work up and go to my job. And they call me and say, hey, actually, you don't need this because you are pregnant. Congratulations. And the whole scenario of telling your husband in some sweet Pinterest, Facebook documented way, we're having a baby, just didn't happen like that. He was like, are you okay? Yeah, we're just pregnant. Okay, I'll see you in 10 hours at the end of this day. I'll give you a hug then, you know? So it just didn't, like, you know, you get married, and I became a believer when I was 20, and got married at 22, and, um, you know, I thought we were going to, like, live this sort of uh, Christian fairy tale life, and then it just doesn't always go like you hope it does. So we were pregnant, we went to our first appointment, and um, had an ultrasound, it was really early, 
and we're so excited. And um, the like midwife technician comes back in and says, you know, informed us that our baby had what they had seen was a cystic hygroma, and that is actually it's like it's rare. It's like in one percent of babies between like nine and sixteen weeks get it, and it's a fluid-filled sac on the brain or the neck um, from developing lymphatic tissue um, vessels. And so um, she's like, well. You know, and this is not, you know, you guys aren't interested in, like, terminating this pregnancy. Like, no, of course not. So she's like, well, I'm going to send you off to maternal fetal medicine. And we saw a bunch of specialists, um, and it was a hard time. Yeah, um, so I think uh, what what kind of um, shook us was, you know, we we went into the whole, like, ultrasound experience thinking that, you know, isn't it great that insurance covers like X number of ultrasounds yes. so you can see a picture of your baby um, and get to know your baby? And we had a harsh reality come, you know, come to us is that no, no, the purpose of all of these ultrasounds is they are medical tests to diagnose uh, different types of conditions inside the womb based on the years and years and years of, of medical information they collected. And so the whole idea of the, the cystic hygroma was that. Uh, when they see this form, it can lead to any number of genetic abnormalities uh, in a developing child. And it's, most often, like a very high percentage, it's about 85% of that, you know, your child will have trisomy 13 or 18 or 21 or... Which means... You know... <laughs> yeah, well, in, in words that we can all understand, <laughs> uh, what was the prognosis? Like, what did they tell you? They told, us, they told us that, you know, after some genetic counseling and stuff and really you know, listening to them, we decided that we were just going to wait in our, you know, um, They were saying provider. that best case scenario, we were going to have a child with Down syndromes. Right. Um, and that was probably the best case scenario. Right. And worst case? Um, probably miscarriage or, like, fetal death. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it really kind of rocked us because we realized that, um, you know, we live in a, in a, a fallen world that has uh, decided that the, you know, probably the best treatment for this issue is to terminate the pregnancy. Um, and so I wouldn't say that the, the medical community was encouraging us to do that, but I would definitely say that they wanted to make sure we were aware that that was the recommended medical option. Um, and for us, it, it really wasn't an option, but it didn't mean that it was going to be easy, uh, you know, to to make a decision to to move forward, not knowing. Um, that we were going to have a healthy child. Um, uh, there were there were definitely um, some things that uh, that as we as we kind of stepped away and took some time to uh, to uh, digest. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a very direct, uh, mean spirited person at times, and I I look back thinking back right now at the uh, meeting we had with our the genetic counselor. Um, I was probably not very polite to her. Um, and I think I just cried, like, the whole time, because that's what I did. And I, I realized that I wasn't very sensitive to my wife either, but I, I wouldn't allow her to um, to beat around the bush. I made her come out and ex- explain exactly what she was telling us was her recommended option. Uh, and so, you know, once once I was clear with what the, the, um, the science was telling us, I realized that we really couldn't depend on uh, on the science to, to guide us in... Decision. What we thought was, right uh, was the right thing to do. Um, so there were a couple. There were a couple people in our life that uh, helped us immediately. Uh, in like, 
the next week just with their personal stories. Um, yeah, I, I worked uh, for an organization, the Crisis Pregnancy Center, that helps um, women facing unplanned pregnancies with support. They want to keep their babies. And, um, and so one of the ladies that I worked with, she was a professor, and her daughter was 35 and had Down syndrome, and she was extremely you know, high-functioning, but she had a part-time job. She volunteered. She, she had a boyfriend. She had a boyfriend. <laughs> I was like, that could be good, you know. Uh, that's encouraging. <laughs> so... Uh, it gave me a lot of hope to say, hey, that this is what really could be, even though you're so afraid. You know, when you are when you get pregnant, you just want to be full of joy. And that just evaporated for me because I was so worried about the unknown and what that could be. Sure. So uh, what happened? Well, we had, a, you know, lots of ultrasounds, which was kind of fun, but to test and see what was going on. And um, we went in one day, uh, just shy of 20 weeks, and, um, you know, in, in between all of that, there's a lot of, you know, spiritual pursuing the Lord to, like, heal our child and help us, you know, have peace about this. And, but we went in, and um, the doctor, put, you know, put the probe on and was like, hmm, I don't really know why you're here. Like, I don't see any cystic hygroma. It seems to have resolved, and that's really all he said to us. And we're, I'm laying on the table like, what? So, but the heart looked great, and her, you know, we didn't know it was a heart at the time, but the, the brain looked perfect. There was no, there was nothing, you know? So whatever was there was clearly gone. So what I remember about that uh, appointment was that our our doctor, who did the ultrasound, was Russian. Uh, That's right. Uh, and uh, she, she said, you know, I never thought I'd live in Norfolk, but honestly, there's only two cities they teach you growing up in school in Russia, communist Russia, and that's Washington, D.C. and Norfolk, Virginia, because those are the two cities that we're going to bomb when we come to America. Um, so that was our icebreaker. Can I just take <laughs> No, but she was, she was the sweetest woman. She um, was fantastic. Yeah, she was and, really great. And she really she sounds real sweet. She, she really set us at ease because, you know, you know immediately she, she's kind of talking to us about, like, why we're here, right. and we tell her, and she just says, well, I don't see any of that. Right. You know, let me go get another doctor yeah. to make sure that that's what you're supposed to be here for. But yeah. this is every yeah. I, nothing that you're telling me makes sense with what I'm seeing on the screen. Right. Now, you had an experience right before that, right? I did. Um, the place that I used to work really valued, you know, your spiritual health, and so they would give you a you know full day off paid um, for spiritual renewal, and you would listen to worship music, go to the beach, take a walk, um, read your Bible, whatever you wanted to do. And um, and so we, you know, had recently got our home, and it was, like, sparsely decorated with furniture. So I was like, I'm going to go in the guest bedroom. There's, like, nothing in there. And I sat down and um, just prayed. And and I didn't, you know, grow up in a, in a home where God was important. You know, I never grew up going to church. Um, you know, I had some friends, like, elementary school, middle school sleepovers where their families operated very differently from mine. And that was always very appealing to me to go over there because it was, just felt more at peace, you know? Um, but so I it didn't really have a whole lot of experience with the Holy Spirit or, or what, you know, or healing or anything like that. And I've been a believer, you know, um, I got saved at 20 and we got married at 22 and had a pretty self-destructive life before that, which is what led me to be a believer. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from. So I just sit down on the floor, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm starting to pray, and I'm, like, whispering, and then there's, like, and I just asked God just plainly, because I'm, you know, going through this pregnancy, 
it's been four or five months. I'm a mess. I'm embarrassed because I'm not handling it well. I'm sorry. I'm not so excited about potentially having a child with a lot of, you know, special medical needs. And so I, you know, was just sad and worried and anxious and just really didn't feel at peace about any of it. And, um, and so I'm sitting on the floor and I'm like praying like really softly and quietly. And then all of a sudden, like praying in words that I don't understand. And I, I mean, I understand, like, in my brain what I'm saying, but they're not coming out of my mouth, like, the way that I'm telling you right now. And so I was, like, took a breath, and then I, like, just felt God, like, I just continued to pray. And, you know, he was faithful in giving me that physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit and praying that way. And and I just was really blown away that he was just so faithful in that way. And so that day is when we went to the appointment, and... There was nothing, you know, her, her ultrasound was cold, was completely fine. Wow. And so, I don't know if it was then that that happened, or if it was, like, earlier, you know, maybe three weeks before the, you know, most recent ultrasound, who knows when, you know, God honored the desires of our heart, but he did. And that's the first Hickman child we dedicated. Let's let's flash (laughs) our picture. Um, Can you see that? I don't know if you can see it. Our lights are uh, bleeding it out. She's on a swing. Um. She is special. <laughs> she, she's four she's, now. She's awesome. She's great. Um, if you haven't had a chance to hang out with Penny, um, your kids, if you have kids, they probably have. Because she's just as social as Aaron is. <laughs> or, or like Ava, she well, makes like best Ava. friends. She makes best friends everywhere. Um, so in all of this, right, um, while you're going through all of this physically and, you know, um, you're facing this fear, and you're facing the unknown, you're facing the uncertain. Um, what's, what's going on inside? What's going on internally, spiritually even, um, for you? Well, um, part of you, I was wondering, you know, did I do something to cause this? Was this my fault, you know? Um, and I can even say that for me, you know, backing it up to the point where um, we were wondering why we had, why it took so long for us to get pregnant, you know, just, you know, what in my life have I done that have, you know, have, yeah. you know, that is keeping something that should be normal um, from, right. from happening. Um, you know, and then replaying to sort of like when you wonder, you know, coming from babies and sex and all that stuff, you know, I'm sitting here thinking at times, like, you know, in my bed when he's asleep next to me and I'm crying, trying to, like, find the renewed sense of faith and peace and trusting God. I'm like, man, you know, part of this because of, like, my sexual sin, sexual abuse, like, did I do something to cause this? Is this my fault? And, And then, you know, what was revealed on ultrasound, like Penny's miraculous healing, um, and, and so it continued on through that pregnancy, but something that I really kind of changed for me was, I remember having her, and the sort of like whoosh feeling as the baby leaves your body and comes onto your chest, and I looked at her, and she was like, perfect and whole, and then I realized, I am too, because oh, come on. she's <laughs> she's not the only one who got healed, um, and so like you know he did renew I mean I was a believer through the whole time really struggling with what was in front of me but I know that you know holding her if I got to the point where I would be okay if she didn't if she wasn't okay we would be okay because God has never forsaken us or left us 
and his ways are not our ways, and his plan is not our plan. And and I know that he healed whatever incapability I might have had because, you know, we had two kids pretty rapidly right after that, <laughs> unintentionally. But they're great. They're they're uh, two and one. And so um, we didn't set out to have three kids under three, but we did. So we're on hiatus right now. <laughs> but But I just, you know, I remember, you know, realizing that, you know, she was born, and I was like, I think I'm done wrestling God about this, this thing that has sort of plagued me a little bit. You know, you're forgiven, and that's uh, whatever your sins are, they're they're forgiven. And you know, for him, it's as far as the east is from the west. But we cannot comprehend that because <laughs> I have memories, and um, and so I just, um, you know, that's you know, I'm healed too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I remember when we were talking, you said something like, one of you said something like, um, our past is our past, and, and we came to a point where nothing was weighing us down anymore, and we didn't have to feel the weight of that life anymore. And I thought, man, that's that's something that I hope, that that, that, that story, I hope people take that with them today um, and just realize, man, I don't, I don't have to hold that weight anymore. He dealt with it, just like you said, and he's, right. he's separated as far, from us as far as the east is from the west, which I'm not trying to get into preacher Josh right now, but uh, the really cool thing is it's not north and south, because north and south meet, right. but east and west never meet. And so he separated us from our sin as far as two things that never touch again, ever, ever. And so that's just really cool. Um, if you had just a moment, both of you, uh, to sit down with somebody, maybe somebody here who's facing an uncertain circumstance like you are facing, or maybe somebody here who is, you know, dealing with, you know, um, am I causing this, this difficulty that I'm going through? Is it somehow God, God getting back at me because of something I did? Um, if you had 30 seconds or a minute to just sit down over a cup of coffee and encourage them and say, man, I just, I just want you to know this. What would you, each of you, each of you take like a minute and just say, what, what would you say to them? Um, if you had that chance? Um, I would, sounds really trite, but I would re, I would point them back into all of the scriptures in God's word about promises. Um, <laughs> we didn't talk about this. But, <laughs> we didn't talk about this. But that's, that's kind of my answer too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a lot of, even now, um, and then I have a lot of just verses kind of like, in my brain, you know, that I want to have, like, in front of me that I can read, you know, throughout the day. So they're taped up around my kitchen and in my bathroom, and um, and w- one of the other things that I really think is so great is that God is, you know, for us, not against us, and we should be for each other, and that he is the one who, you know, gave us this fantastic body of people that we should spur each other on. And I think that if it weren't for, you know, the Bible study that I could go to on Wednesday night at Starbucks, and instead of talking about the book we were reading, I was just kind of blubbering about what was going on in my life. And people listened. They were, like, you know, giving me a hug and praying with me and encouraging me. And so the enemy wants you to feel isolated in your condemnation. He wants you to feel guilty and that you can't tell anybody about this, you know? But that's not the truth, you know? Um, and so I would just encourage you to, like, actually open your Bible and look at it and read it and then talk to other people who are growing in their faith maybe a step or two ahead of you. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I would ask for more time than 30 seconds or a minute. Uh, I, I tend to be a little bit long-winded. Uh, so what I would share, honestly, what I would share is that, uh, is that we allow ourselves to be influenced by things that we don't realize that we're being influenced by. Um, and the only way to change yourself and to really stand on the promises of God are to allow yourself to be influenced by people who have stood on the promises of God. Um, oh, yeah. So we've got, we've got friends in this church right now that you could turn to that have stood on God's promises and have believed God for changes in their life and are continuing to believe God for changes in their life. And you can, you can look to them. Um, you can look to scriptures. Um, uh, there, are, there are lots of places throughout scriptures. Heck, uh, Lindsay's got verses all throughout our house taped up, but on the way into church this morning and the dashboard of the car is a verse from Deuteronomy um, that was put in one of our kids' backpacks here at Vertical Church that says, continue on the, on the path that God has for you because that's the way you'll see his promises. It's from uh, the end of Deuteronomy, right after uh, the commandments are given. Um, the, the one story that absolutely anchors me, it absolutely anchors me, and I would encourage whoever I'm sitting with to find a story that anchors them. Find a praise and worship song that anchors you. But the one story that anchors me is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who stand in front of the king in Babylon and say, look, king, um, the God that we serve is able to save us. Um, and we're not going to worship your gods, but even if our God chooses not to save us, we're still not going to worship your gods. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, like, that might not be where you're at right now, but you got to find some place that you can, you can, you know, anchor yourself, that you can, you know, get, get a foothold in, and you know at the end of the day, this is the spot that's not going to change. This is the place, place that you're going to always be able to stand on and then you have a place to build from there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, at times in my life, it's been different praise and worship songs. Um, uh, at times in my life, it's been different verses. But uh, uh, you, you got to make sure that it, the, the influence is coming from a place that is safe, that is going to point you in the direction uh, of, of Christ, um, and it's going to help you move forward. That's good. That's good. Um, I like that. I'm going to say it a different way. Find a story that helps you rewrite your story. There we go. Yeah. Um, would y'all do me a favor? Uh, do us all a favor, actually. Would you just pray for us uh, real, real quickly? Yeah. And uh, as, we, as we wrap up our um, week three of Rise Up, just say a word of prayer for us, especially for those of you who are dealing with something, um, past, current, present, uncertainty, just a, a special kind of mention for them and just for all of us to let go of the past, embrace the new future. Um, rewriting the story. Let's bow our heads. Just, Heavenly Father, God, we, we come before you right now. Uh, we come before you right now as, as your children, Lord, um, wanting to, to grow in you, Lord, wanting to know more about you, God, but, but dealing with the fears of this world, dealing with, um, dealing with the things of this world, dealing with the atrocities that happen that seem to be on a daily basis almost, God, uh, and, and wondering uh, where are you wondering how you're going to see us through, God? Wondering how our lives are going to change. Uh, wondering how we're going to, to, to make ends meet or to, or to pay the bill or to get the car fixed or to how we're going to get the kids to bed, God. There's so many things that we just, uh, uh, that we are inundated with on a daily basis. Uh, and, and we need to see you. We need to see you in new, new ways. And we need to be renewed uh, in new ways so that we can, so that we can, Lead others to, towards you as well, God. And so, right now, in the midst of uh, the busyness of life, God, I ask that we just pause. I ask that we 
we find a still, small, uh, quiet moment throughout the day, God, to just really uh, understand what it is you're doing in our life, uh, to understand what it is you want to do in our life, and to know that that, that, that is good, that, that seeking you is good, and that you have good plans for us, and that you are a good Father, Lord, and that you want what is best for us. And so even uh, when things aren't looking uh, the way we think that they should look, uh, the way we have planned and purposed them, God, that they are, they are working out uh, towards your end, Lord. And God, if we're not sure right now, we're not sure what we believe, we don't know uh, what it is, uh, if, we, if we are on the fence, if we're, if we're fighting ourselves, if we're fighting, uh, if we're fighting uh, the, the desire to hold on to our, to our lives the way they are, Lord, I pray that you would just cause us to, to give up, to stop fighting and commit to you, to, to give it up. Uh, to, to turn to you and to run to you, Lord, and to, to know that you have forgiven us and you have separated our sins as far as the east is from the west and, and that we, do, we don't need to carry around the weight of, weight of any of that, Lord. And so right now, Father, uh, we, we ask that for your forgiveness and we thank you for your forgiveness and we thank you for the, uh, the blessings that you have lined up in store for us. And you we pray. Amen. 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 Would you give Aaron and Lindsay a hand this morning? Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.